Welcome to the Ordinary Pastor Podcast with C.J. Mahaney. This podcast is devoted to helping ordinary pastors with the extraordinary privilege of serving God's people in their local church. And now, here is C.J. with your host, Mickey Connolly. Uh, Hey, this is Mickey, and welcome back to the Ordinary Pastor Podcast for our fall season. And today, I'm here again with C.J., and we want to talk about some books, uh, particularly a book called Deep Work. So, uh, first of all, CJ, thanks for being back and doing this. Joy to serve our pastors, my friend, and to do so with you. Thank you. Okay, um, you've you've recommended a couple of books. We've talked about a couple of books uh, on working more deeply and more efficiently. Uh, One of them titled Deep Work, Mm -hmm. uh, Essentialism, Any Others. So tell us us how these books have affected you, what you like about the books. Uh, why do you think they're important? Yeah, I, I do think Deep Work is an important book for pastors, and, and here would be why. By the way, Cal Newport, yeah. just so we Cal make sure we Newport get Newport is the author. It. He is a teacher at Georgetown University. So so we've had a series of books. So so, so for me, the ones that I've read uh, that, have, that have served me, the book Distracted, uh, The Erosion of Attention and the Coming Dark Age by Maggie Jackson. Uh, I'm sure most guys are familiar with The Shallows, uh, what the internet is doing to our brains by Nicholas Carr. So this this for me would be the the, the third book that has just impressed upon me the influence of digital technology on one's ability to concentrate. And in deep work, he's just arguing, obviously, what's the difference between deep work and shallow work, deep work and superficial work? Well, it's the ability to concentrate for an extended period of time. So how I've benefited from the book is just reflecting as I read it on how important this is to our pastoral role. So let's just think about it. You're you're a pastor. You have as a priority thinking, reading, sermon preparation, all of those require concentration. Uh, Then add to that caring for people. And what to care for people means that you are fully present when with them, giving them your full attention to care for them. So pastors today, we we are being uh, distracted by all manner of technology which can hinder us both from these two primary tasks. Uh, so I can remember it's been a, a few years now, but it was a defining moment when uh, while on date night with Carolyn, uh, she, she's <laughs> finishing up making a point to me. And before she finishes, I my phone's sitting there on the table. I, I reach for the phone and, and I begin to look at my phone. And then, you know, with a smile on her face, uh, she appropriately calls me out and just says, and that would be rude. And I, I realized after apologizing that, that this iPhone uh, has intruded into my life in ways so that, humanly speaking, the person I love the most, I, I am listening selectively, not allowing her to finish her point. Uh, and and so we got two areas where this book will just uh, challenge you to think. Do, have you lost the ability to concentrate? Uh, and so that's why I'm commending pastors uh, who I'm interacting with to, to study this particular book because I, 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 think, I, I think it speaks to t- 
temptations that uh, we didn't have when we first started, temptations that pastors have now, that I have now, that I didn't have uh, when I first started. Yep. Yeah, we had the old newspaper um, instead of our... Yes, it wasn't uh, that there weren't distractions, but there weren't as many, and the the assault uh, wasn't as broad. uh, But I, I know the effects of this, and pastoral ministry just can't be done without setting aside blocks of time in order to read, study, and prepare sermons. Therefore, one must be undistracted in order to do deep work rather than shallow work, superficial work, mediocre work. But then it also applies to to the whole relational aspect of pastoral ministry as well, so that when we are seated across from someone, they, they are aware we are fully present with them and not distracted in conversation. Right. So that's why I think uh, books like this. So if guys haven't read The Shallows, I think that that's a, a, a great introduction. And, and he uh, certainly inspired Cal Newport. So Newport references him uh, in the outset. Him, him. Uh, it's it's Carr, I believe, who talked about how the the internet is is chipping away at his capacity for concentration. Uh, and and I think to differing degrees that that would be the common experience of all of us. And it must not be ignored as pastors. It must be addressed. Excellent. Okay, um, after reading these books, what kind of strategies have you personally developed to help you in this area? Yeah, great question. Yeah, so reading the books is critical because it, it then leads you into a process of, of evaluating. Uh, and, and I would say, invite others into that evaluative process. So in, in, the, in the course of reading this, these books, like I, I, I started a, a new one called Irresistible the other day, and, and the, the guy was uh, talking about how uh, he, he would think of himself as you know, looking at his iPhone, I forget, it was something like 10 to 15 times a day. Uh, he had some figure like that. And then he went through some process of evaluation that was objective. He got some app which told him accurately. And of course, the stats came back and, and he was just stunned at how many times he was looking at his at his iPhone each day. So a, a pastor needs to evaluate what, from email to iPhone to Twitter to internet, um, all of these are means of distraction. And does a pastor recognize the distractive elements? And then what's the strategy for limiting that? So that technology, we really benefit from it because it certainly does have its benefits. But if we aren't governing it, um, it will govern us and and influence us adversely. So for myself, uh, it, it can be something as simple as uh, confining the time I devote to email uh, each day and, and not just seeking, as I did, as I used to do uh, each day, just kind of peppered with checking up on email, responding to email, the, the uh, mirage of trying to keep up with email, all, all of which could just leave my mind distracted um, throughout the day. Instead, determine uh, daily, determine weekly, what, what's your plan for addressing email as well as responding to email. Uh, I, I, I used to function with this uh, desire and intent to, to turn all emails around within a 24-hour period. Well, no, that that's that's being governed by the urgent rather than devoting myself to the important. So so that's changed. Um, in my time of reading, for me, this is for me, uh, 
I turn my email off now so that it, it's just, it's not a temptation, it's, it's off. I take the iPhone and actually for myself, I put it in a different room uh, <laughs> so, that, so that I don't have access to it. Uh, and it just, it just distances me from that temptation because for this next two or three hour period, I must concentrate. And in order to concentrate and do that which is most important, I must minimize distraction. So again, each pastor is going to have to custom design a plan that serves that pastor. For me, on Twitter, uh, there there was a time uh, I, I don't know. I was following twenty five to thirty people, which is really not that many people. But I just found myself throughout the day just checking up on what what everybody's tweeting. And and you you read these books and you realize, you know what? That's having an adverse effect on your ability to concentrate when you read <laughs> and be present relationally. <laughs> so I reduced it to 10. Um, I think like eight of those are family. They rarely, if ever, tweet. Uh, one is Bob Coughlin, who rarely tweets. The other, Webb Simpson. So uh, that, that just eliminated what was really a distraction. Now, for those guys I, I want to follow, I, I created two lists. One that I want to look at weekly. So Tuesday morning, there's just a period of time where I will visit either uh, their Twitter account or their blogs and, and see what they're producing because their material does serve pastors. But it's just, it's, it's a block of time Tuesday morning. It's set, it's fixed, so it's not intruding on my day uh, each and every day. And then I have a secondary list that I, that I visit monthly. So you, you just need to evaluate your technology, how it can serve you rather than govern you and distract you. And then I, I just would add though, you can't effectively do this evaluation of yourself by yourself. <laughs> you, got to, you got to ask the wife first <laughs> because she's observing you uh, and she's going to give you, I think, a more accurate evaluation of its influence and whether it is a distraction in your life than you're going to be able to perceive on your own. Uh, and then uh, guys you work with as well. So invite others into the process, but we can't be avoiding this process and postponing this process because th this, 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 is, uh, the, this, this is critical to what we're doing as pastors. So I, I, just, wanna, I just wanna heighten the awareness and in, and in some ways the, the alarm beginning with <laughs> what I've experienced and then how I've benefited from some of these changes. Uh, I, I want to heighten the alarm for pastors that this just can't be ignored, which is why we're recommending these books. Uh, these, these things really are an intrusion and a distraction and a hindrance to, to what we are called to do as pastors. Yep, yep, very well done. Um, yeah, talk about specifically sermon prep. So you're sitting at your computer, uh, email screaming at you, yep. uh, sports events are happening, uh, the temptations abound. H how are yeah. you thinking through <laughs> sermon prep in particular? Well, I'm not mature enough to have, you know, temptation at the ready. So I, you know, for me, when I... You're handwriting your sermons? Well, no, when, but I mean, I just have, like, when I set my alarm, I have to put it away from me so that I have to get out of bed in the morning. You know, that, that I, so I have to take, this is me, I have to put my iPhone in another room, which is where I charge it. So I, I have to do something so that if I'm going to access these things, it's going to take a certain 
effort on my part. And, and hopefully if I make that effort prematurely, uh, I will be convicted, you know, and, and realize, no, that's not the best use of my time. So that's, I'm sure, speaks to, to my immaturity. Yeah, so I, I don't have any brilliant plan. I, I just have to turn off my email. Uh, I just want the, the books around me. Um, and, and yes, often because I still do work with, with pen and paper, uh, particularly in the preparatory process. So before I'm moving to a Word document, uh, I, I really don't have to have anything related to a computer personally. But if, if, if I am already working on, uh, let's say, a Word document, well, it, it's, it's fine to have that on uh, and that before me and, and that that's serving me but i just think every pastor has to just evaluate what level of of temptation exists in these forms of technology um, so that i can concentrate because as these books argue and i think it's true every time you are interrupted uh, it it is it isn't just you know for a brief moment it it to regain and re-enter where you were in the thought process in your interacting with a text or a commentary it 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 takes longer than you anticipate and of course your mind is also distracted so uh pastoral ministry preparing a sermon the reading thinking uh it 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 these are skills that that require work and effort and we must pray and we must ask the spirit of god for help uh so there's there's a certain uh there's a certain ruthlessness one one must bring to this task recognizing the importance of this task and recognizing that everything from the world the flesh to the devil is seeking to distract you from this all-important task and and at times technology can be a, a, a very subtle and convenient way to distract one from preparing so yep. I, I i encourage guys take take whatever dramatic action is necessary so that you can create an environment from where you are studying and reading to to the uh to the uh, elimination or or uh, all things technology out of your reach or immediate access uh, to just uh, creating an environment with as few distractions as possible for that two, three, four hour period so so that you truly can concentrate. And and what a great uh, experience it is, every pastor knows this, to, to emerge from that time, having just spent time unhurriedly interacting with God's word, contemplating God's word, feeling as if you are comprehending original intent, author to audience, but also being affected by God's word and 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 then that that time for this most important task was just wisely used rather than the 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 myth of multitasking because it <laughs> is it is a myth um, rather than i mean yesterday this this happened to me this is not uncommon i mean i i about 45 minutes just a flurry of activity in terms of emails etc and and i sat back and reflected when i was done you know what that that is enjoyable in some ways it is stimulating i was busy and it certainly felt like i got a lot done but actually none of that was deep work uh -huh. and if if that's what you're doing predominantly every day um th that's just n not going to be satisfying it it you know was i busy yes was was that fruitful minimally 
minimally so. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and so what we're talking about in terms of devotion of time to studying God's word, preparation for sermons, uh, serving and caring for people, you know, all of that is is just deeply satisfying uh, what our job description is all about and what we're called to fulfill uh, and and just requires yep. Yep. <laughs> full attention and concentration. Yeah, do, do you um, set aside any particular time for thinking? So uh, not reading, not sermon prep, but just I want to think about stuff. I want to strategize. Do you, do you have any routine for that? Well, in terms of planning it for pretty much each and every week. Yeah, I take a 15 minute to 30 minute period of time looking over my week, uh, contemplating given my roles, what the goals are for this week, what is the most important way I can serve this week uh, as a husband, as a father, as a grandfather, as a pastor, transferring that to my schedule. So yeah, that that would be a part of my weekly rhythm creating blocks of time for the tasks that are most important. Uh, so it, I'm not sure, is that what you mean by thinking? I'm, I'm normally not just sitting, thinking in general. If I'm, if I'm seated at my desk, there's always some purpose in mind. Okay. Good. Okay, um, how, do you, how do you try to balance being accessible and available um, Newport, it's a business book in, in one sense, and pastors are different from businessmen, but being accessible and available and, and being distracted. How do you decide, what am I going to say no? Um, how, do you, how do you think yeah, that through? Good question. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's a challenge for a pastor each, each and every week. Well, for me, that's, that's determined at the outset of the week. If you don't determine prior to a given week what is most important for you to do in your role as a pastor for that week, then most likely you're going to devote yourself to that which is urgent that week rather than that which is important. And others uh, have <laughs> you know, a, a plan for your life. So <laughs> my, my ability to say no is normally predetermined. If I haven't predetermined what is most important for me to do, given my role, my job description, my gifting, how I can most effectively serve, and transfer that to my schedule, well, then I'm not going to be able to respond wisely when requests come. So requests are gonna come daily, this is what I know, each and every day. There are gonna be more requests than one can possibly fulfill, therefore, each day, uh, I, I'm going to be, I don't want to, but you're going to be disappointing people each day by saying no to them. But if, if you haven't determined what's most important for you to do that day, you're not going to have a means then to evaluate whether you should respond to someone's request. So uh, pastors, we need to learn, and I, I, I don't think you ever, <laughs> I don't think you ever outgrow this challenge to say no mm-hmm. uh, and and actually in deep work it's it's uh, at the end of it and I think it's in an interview context uh, Newport is talking about 
learning to say no and and the challenges related to saying no because nobody wants to disappoint somebody who's making a request of you and and he he, he has this illustration we talked about realizing that he he was at times when requests were made of him saying no but then his words are but offering a consolation prize <laughs> like, i tell you yeah, i remember yeah. when i got to this section i thought you know what i have really benefited from this book in a number of ways but if i'd only read this um that illustration alone is is worth the entirety of the book so he, i think he was asked to serve on a committee he said no but then he said the consolation prize he gave was but i'll be glad to to read the papers that you're going to be reviewing on the committee and, and i guess offer his perspective and then you know you realized that those concessions, that consolation prize, as a means of, of, of basically trying to avoid disappointing the person, those <laughs> those are intruding into his schedule yeah. and keeping yeah. him from doing deep work and that which is important. So I, I find that just a, a, a helpful illustration because I know that temptation. Yeah. I'm sure you do too. You're sitting across to somebody you care for <laughs> and you want to be able to serve them and everything within you wants to say yes and you realize, okay, well, no, I can't say yes. So I'm going to have to say no. Right. But then you think, okay, let me soften this. Let me bring yeah. in, let me bring the, let me bring the consolation prize. But boy, when you go offering people consolation prizes each and every day, well, then you have unwisely overextended yourself. So, uh, yeah, it's painful to say yeah. no in the moment. Oh, man. But you pay for not saying no exactly. in the long term. Exactly. And and then regret it and, and realize that you're, you know, it, it, it's not selfish to say no uh, if your no is informed by serving in the most appropriate ways you are gifted. Right. Yeah. Good. But again, too, too many guys go into their week not having determined that. And so therefore, they're, they're not prepared uh, when requests are made and they can't objectively evaluate whether they should say yes yep. or no. And by the way, that doesn't apply to emergencies. When, when, right. a, when an emergency takes place, obviously, uh, every pastor is going to be involved and wants to be involved. But yes. this this is the challenge of daily life. So w often if I'm interacting with a pastor who humbly just acknowledges that they aren't just tired but weary. There, there can be a number of reasons for that, beginning with neglecting their soul and their, their own study of Scripture, etc. But often there is this pattern where they, they have not determined their goals for a week based on roles, and therefore they have overextended themselves, and they are given consolation prizes <laughs> right and left. every day. <laughs> Oh my! All right. Um, I think we're gonna yeah. later on in the fall. We're gonna get to the whole rest, leisure, busyness. But one, last one on this. Okay. Um, Newport talks about. I found this very helpful. A shutdown ritual. Yeah. A way to transition from work to home. So, um, how, how did you think through that? Uh, disconnecting from work to give your full attention to the calling uh, that you have at home to be a husband, a father. Yes. Well, I, I, I can tell you, I vividly remember when uh, we had two small children and uh, it, I just began to realize that when I left work to come home, I needed to create some way to interrupt, in effect, all that had taken place throughout the day so that I could enter home not viewing it as a refuge for my relaxation but instead a context to serve so uh, I, I just 
vividly remember that season of life where, you know, okay, wait a second, Carolyn is doing the more important and the more difficult task, yes. um, the more, the much more exhausting task. But I'm coming home and I, I'm tired. It's legit for me to be to be tired. Uh, but this this is my moment also to serve my privilege and my responsibility. So I, I did something which is very simple, but it served me big time. I also find, often find these just small practices have an exaggerated effect in my life. Uh, so I just decided no, I'm gonna pull over a couple blocks away from home and I'm going to spend time meditating on different appropriate passages. Uh, I'm gonna just spend a few moments in prayer. I mean, this never went more than 10 to 15 minutes in a long period of time, uh, but, but it had an immediate, and, and I would say um, a dramatic effect, just making that transition. Uh, T today, uh, you know, all my children are gone, so the the transition from <laughs> work to home is 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 not a difficult or challenging one in that regard. What what I the transition for me now is different in that uh, emails still await, and the temptation in the evening is uh, I I think to to end up doing what is busy work, superficial work, work that just ends up distracting your mind, and I don't think serves uh, either the relationship with wife, children, uh, or or the process of of. Uh, being in effect uh, resting and being restored for work the next day mm -hmm. so I, I don't have any unique recommendations why but what I love about your question is guys need to look at that block of time right. because I am convinced that how you end your day influences how you begin the next day and so too often we we haven't thought through what what is uh, you know what is a wise strategy for me in this season of life transitioning from work to home so that I can be fully present when I'm at home and so that work doesn't you know intrude unnecessarily because mm -hmm. so often we, we are you know nobody's imposing this on us <laughs> so it's a catching up is a mirage okay these things are a mirage like I just took a yearly retreat and and got all caught up and I was telling people when I got back you know I know this is a mirage like I've <laughs> all emails all caught up this is good for about 48 hours but I, I I know that I don't anticipate that after 48 hours it'll be back to the the harsh realities of real life so I think it just helps thinking strategically of that evening first of all how can i be present in terms of serving the ones i love the most my wife and and children extending hospitality etc but but what practices in the evening would truly refresh me and prepare me for tomorrow and again just looking online just staring blankly at a television you know it, again these things can be occasional but if that's your regular practice then uh, i i think pastors would be wise to to look at that block of time and say you know what potentially adverse influence is that having not on just the end of my day but as a carryover on the beginning of the next day excellent all right um very well done. Thank you. That uh, will serve our guys. I hope it does. So yeah. um, 
Deep Work, Cal Newport. You yeah. read it. I read yeah. it. Found I found it very helpful. Yeah, and, and The Shallows, too. I think. The Shallows. Yeah, I, I would read. If you just, somebody just said, just read two. Okay. I would say, read. Read the shallows and then read deep work. If somebody said I can only read one, I'd say read deep work because I think that's going to be the most immediately relevant to your role yeah, in pastoral the shallows, ministry. Um, not quite as it's not. Yeah, I mean he talks about the shallows about in the introduction, yes, but then you know this is a guy. I mean <laughs> Cal Newport, you know, no Twitter. I don't think he does. He have an email account? I'm not sure. I mean, and he, and he'll provoke you. He has a work email yeah. account. So he he advocates toward the end. Take 30 days. Withdraw from all things technology. I mean, you, you're not going to be able to read this book and not be challenged by this book yep. to at least just rethink all you are doing. So that's what I like. That it's a provocative book. Yep. It doesn't mean you necessarily should conform to all of his practices. Yep. But we all need to be provoked to evaluate. Uh, whether we are living really distracted yeah. lives. Yeah, one of the things I liked that, uh, was that he he gave options. He didn't just say, he, yes. He, he didn't give a formula. He gave various ways that guys have worked this out, which was really helpful. Yes, so, yes. Um, excellent book. Yep. Um, CJ, thank you. You're welcome, uh, man. Pastors, thank you for all the ways you serve. Yes. Uh, Sovereign Grace, serve your local churches, serve your families. We are grateful to you, men. And we look forward to coming back next month.